He woke me up this morning with the words that Jesus talked um, and spoke, um, talking about John, and he said, what did you go into the wilderness to see? Was a reed swaying in the wind? What did you come to the rock to see, to hear today? The same old, same old? Did you go in t- out there to see someone in nice clothes? Did you come to the rock to see a show? Because that's not what's here. What did you go to see? What are our ears hearing? And then he spoke about what it was that was happening in the desert. What are you hearing in your desert? What's the purpose of this pressure, this desert, this barren place that we might find ourselves in? What is he trying to get through to us? John was removed in a place where there was nothing. My soul pants like a deer in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Pressure tests get us to a place where we are desperate. That nothing on earth supplies our need. There is no water. And I'm desperate. That's why I'm panting for you, Lord. And he takes us to these places so we would hear what is being proclaimed in the desert. It's one voice. You didn't come to hear me. You came to hear him. It's the same word. It's just coming through different people. That's irrelevant who it comes through. It's his word. He is speaking. What is he saying? He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake us up to a reality that he sees, that he has for us, and that we're not in. Being blunt. The kingdom had come when, when John the Baptist came. He was announcing something. And Jesus said the, the kingdom of heaven um, suffers violence, and violence men take it by force. They're not asleep, men. I treasure what he's doing in this place. I hope you treasure what's doing, happening here. Because he might not like, want to do it forever if we're just asleep. So the pressure tests come. <laughs> and as, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, they actually can be part of God's design to wake us up. I remember when he spoke to me about the storms and he said, go and read about the, 
the house built on the rock and the house built on the stand on the sand. Read it, read it, read it. Okay, I'm reading it. Did anything different come to both of those houses? No, it's the same stuff. And he said, don't be surprised at the storms. But there's a reason, a purpose. Because one of those houses is going to come out of it, out with a testimony. And you know, the testimony is not, and I've said this before, because this is what happens in the world. You go through a tough time and you might come through out, out through the other side and they say, whoa, you're strong. That's not the testimony. It really isn't. If that's the testimony, then we haven't actually had a dealing with God. The testimony is the only reason I'm alive and standing here is because of who is formed in me. He stands. He stands when I'm weak. And I know my weakness because I've just been through something I could not have possibly gone through without him. And he's revealed stuff to me in that place that I would never have come to know had I not gone through the storm. So I just want to speak a little bit about the purpose of pressure. And, and also about our response to it. Because I think there's some really big keys about the way we respond. Because... Um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have lots of pain for no gain. Do you? But we can. Honestly, we can, we can go through lots of pain for nothing, for absolutely nothing, because A, we're not recognizing it, and B, we're not responding to it in the way that he wants us to respond. So he's after a bride, all of these pressure tests can be, you see, once we get a hold of this, once we get a hold of what he has taken hold of us for, once we have a revelation of who it is that he's forming, then all this stuff just comes into a totally different perspective. Because he is looking for a bride, and, and this bride is for his son. And this bride is going to be mature and have been built by him on the inside. She's going to look like Christ. We, we've just sung about it. And it's not just a, a slapdash or oh, put something on her, cover her up. It's a deep work of transformation that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. What we do with this all? No, he does this in us. But we cooperate with this process of, of pressure and crushing, and he produces life. And it's actually a death-to-life process. And it's that that we, get, we stumble on big time because we think that being a Christian is all about the life. And it is, but there's a way. There's a way. You see, the, the cross of Christ is a stumbling block. And it's either, either we have to fall on it and be broken into a million pieces, or it's going to fall on us. It's the reality. 
and this process is an internal thing. It's not just like, oh, I decide to fall on Christ. How do I do that? It's like he wants to walk with us and to do this work in us. And it actually happens in the nitty gritty of everyday life. Thus your pressure tests. Yeah? So we might be needing a real true conviction of what I've just said about being the bride. You might have no revelation of that. I didn't, used to. What about reigning with Christ for the millennial reign? Oh, man, that was, just hold the boat. You know, I don't even know that I want to look at that. But he does. (laughs) He wants us to look at it. He wants us to ask about that. He wants us to inquire So it all happens through those four things that Greg spoke about a a few weeks ago. It's the knowing of him. It's not knowing about him. That's not going to get us anywhere. But when we know him and we come to know him and, and we are living in intimacy with him, he does this work on, on the inside and he's able to speak like Simon spoke last week. He speaks to us. And there's these interactions that are right in the nitty-gritty of where we are and where all our systems of operating come from. He does this work and he builds himself and he builds in this other manner that's not a worldly manner, it's a kingdom manner. So there's a different powering, there's a different life, there's a different sight, (laughs) It's a spiritual kingdom that's in us and growing. Powerful stuff. For me, I, I know that <clears throat> there, there has been, a, a, it's a process, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't even happen in a week or a, or a month or a year sometimes. But I remember there, um, one of the the biggest um, transactions for me was the crushing, and I've shared that on another occasion, um, where I literally came to the end of myself. And I, yeah, I won't go there. But anyway, we um, it, it was a number of years ago. But what I came, I came to the end of trying, I was so into trying harder to to make things work, to to understand, to love more, to do the right thing, and it wasn't until I came absolutely smashing down, and and he came at that point, and I was screaming for help, desperate for help, and I I just I just cried out, Lord, I need you to show your love, how you love me. I need to know your love. I can't love. In the situation I, I really needed to love, and I couldn't love, not like I needed to. So that that kicked it off as as a big start. But there was there was something else that happened following that. I started to get a living conviction about a day coming, where everything in me that could be shaken would be shaken. 
like a living conviction of that. Man, that changes your life. (coughs) That everything that I had built, knowingly or unknowingly, would just be burnt up. I really need him to build me. And my prayer started to become, Lord, I want you to shake what can be shaken now while I can cooperate with you. And some people have told me that's a, that's a, that's a brave prayer. You know what? I, I think it's, it's just a wise prayer. I think if you know what's coming and you you do nothing about it, I I wouldn't I think you'd need a bit more bravery there. (laughs) We need his truth in our inmost parts. And we need him to build us. You know, um, I was thinking about the the parable of the ten virgins and how I used to see this. And it reflects the operating system. So I thought it was all a matter of timing, right? So there's five virgins that um, are called the wise virgins and there's five that are called foolish virgins and you know they've got their lamps and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come right and the um, bridegroom's taken a bit longer than they had expected they all get a bit dozy and fall, fall off to sleep and then the call goes out the bridegroom's coming the bridegroom's coming so they trim their lamps <coughs> and the wise virgins um you know, obviously it's used up the oil that was in the lamp. They've got some spare oil, so um, they put the extra oil in. And then the foolish virgins who don't have the spare oil are asking the wise virgins to give them some of theirs, yeah? You know, I, I thought it was all a matter of timing. Seriously. That, um, that it was just about spending time with God. And somehow the foolish virgins hadn't really had the good quiet times in the last few weeks. And had the, virg- the, par- the bridegroom come like two weeks earlier, they would have been sweet as. You know, I really thought that's what it was about. And, and so it propelled me in sort of fear. I must, you know, I must make sure that I'm spending time with God. <coughs> so it was all about what I had to do to... Um, is to sort of make this relationship kind of um, work somehow. <laughs> there's, a, there's a verse in Luke twelve thirty five: be dressed in readiness, keep your lamps lit. I've come to realize that dressed in readiness is a way of life. It's being consumed with the master's business. See, I believe the five wise virgins are ones that are consumed with the eternal purpose of the bridegroom. That's all they think about. 
everything, it's grabbed them so much that everything is seen in its light. There's a whole different story, isn't it? So they're delighted to be in his process. And the oil actually comes from within them, the living substance of Christ himself that has been and is being formed through revelation, his power, and his pressing and building work within. Immediate response in obedience is habitual because they've learnt obedience through suffering, just like Jesus. And there's a reference there, Hebrews 5, 8. If we can't hear his voice now or we're not even ready to listen, how on earth are we going to be ready when he comes again? I'm serious. I have to be. He's serious. If someone doesn't say it and it's being said again and again and again, then there's a chance that you won't be ready because you won't be awake. We all need to be arrested. I have had to be arrested out of of a totally different paradigm of thinking of what it was like to be a Christian. What what is this life? You see, those wise virgins, they know God and love him with all, and he knows them, and they're found ready. They are mature in their understanding and perception. That's what the word wisdom is is meaning from there. Okay, they've been matured God's way through his process within. So it's not about sort of that last minute, let's get ready at the last minute. I mean, there is grace for those that only hear at the last minute. But we've been given a life and you have come under this word. So you're responsible for what you've heard. It's the reality. He will make us accountable for what we have heard. We need the time every day to be matured. That process takes time. We can't put it off for a, day, a time that's more convenient. Have you ever noticed that pressure tests never, ever come at a convenient time? Okay, well, there's, there's your proof. It's never going to be convenient. So if there is anything in you that puts it off until I've got time to really think about this and really seek God... You are deceiving yourself because there will never be a time. Okay, it's a way of keeping us away from the goodness of God, away from the promises of God. It's just a lie. Speak to it and say, you're a lie. But he wants me to come today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. These wise virgins also don't live in a lack of fear, in lack, sorry, or a fear of lack like the foolish virgins do. And like I was, it's like fearing, oh, do I have enough? Oh, have I done enough? You know, so what's the measuring stick there? You know, is it like a, a day that I had my quiet time a day ago? Would that, that would qualify me? It's just such a ridiculous thing. 
you, it doesn't stand up to the word of God. See, perfect love has done its work in the wise virgins to drive them out of fear, drive fear out of them. And that's the beautiful thing. There's this, there's this place of rest and, and knowing him. And it's not like, a, oh, I've got it and you haven't. It's not that. It's like total dependence, like the deer panting for the water. I'm desperate for you every day. I don't have a life source other than you. I don't eat anything that sustains me but the bread of heaven. There is nothing that can give me life. And so I'm desperate for him all every day. And I'm eating and I'm drinking because he's my life source. And he's the one that has to do the work. He's the one that prepares me. And that's joyful in the process because I see what life is like. And I hear his voice and it sustains me through the hardest times. The, the word for foolish primarily means dull and sluggish. That's powerful, isn't it? It doesn't mean stupid. It means just dull, dull and sluggish. Like, oh, I'll get around to it. No. No, no, no. Do you see how he needs to wake us up? Do you see why he would tell me in the morning, what did you go out to see? Because what we come with, what, what are we actually wanting to gain from him? What are our ears inclining themselves toward? Is it the word of God or is it, just the same old, same old, or that was nice music. What is it? Is it temporal or is it eternal? Where are our eyes fixed? Because we'll feed from where our eyes are fixed. So that's one reason that God leads us into pressure tests, is to waken us up. There's heaps of others. <clears throat> I'll just touch on a few. So he can bring us to a place of brokenness or crushing, especially of our pride. Man, let's get real. We are all in this together and we all need to go through it, right? If, if that's one thing that I've learned in this house is that love covers over and allows you to go through the process. You don't have to hold up, uh, I'm this, I'm that, I've got it all together. You actually can walk with people in honesty, and that, that is precious, that is needed, you know? Um, so let's not, let's not pull away from that. That brings us to the blessed are the poor in spirit, for these is the kingdom of heaven. Can also, they can also reveal our true heart state, these times of pressure, the good stuff and the bad stuff. Um, it can bring us to a decision point. A pressure point... Um, <clears throat> might be my words today. Just putting it out there. There might be someone else's words that have come. It's like, oh, it's uncomfortable and I want to run. Yeah? But remember, he is there to give us and bring us into life. The words are spoken because of love, because of release, 
It's like a surgeon going in. You know, the surgeon is not going in to murder someone. Surgeon is going in to heal someone. They, t- they contest the building work that's been done. So sometimes, you know, we can see, well, man, that would have taken me out a year ago, but God's done this, and wow, there's a different, wow, how did that happen? That's, that's not how I would have done it. That's not how I would have responded. Why is there joy there now, you know? And it encourages us on the way. Everything that's built needs to be tested, you know, gold needs to be tested to be purified, and, and things do need to be tested to see, oh, is it real? Is it real, or is it just, you know, put on on the outside? It can expose where we're not, and when we don't know him enough and only know ourselves. That's okay. That's great. Let's embrace it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Unless we know, we can't, we can't cooperate with him to build what we need to know of him. So so many times I've I've seen this, you know, in this storm thing. You know, it's like things come at you and it's like the response that just came out of me wasn't him. Do I now just turn around and say, oh, I'm hopeless, I'm never going to, it's never going to work? Or do I say, thank you, Lord, that you've shown me something that you are and I'm not yet, but you want me to be that. He, he does that to me so much. It's so good. Really, really awesome. I'll, I'll give you an example. So Psalm 11, I read um, through the last few weeks and months and stuff, I've been like majorly, majorly sort of pressed work-wise with orchestra stuff. And, and uh, I read this, and as I read it, I saw the character of God. And immediately was, I want you to be like that. Yes! Oh, yes, I want that. Let me read it to you. I'm just going to read you a few verses out of the message version, which is, um, just expresses it beautifully. I've already run for dear life straight to the arms of God. So why would I run away now when you say, run to the mountains, the evil bows are bent, the wicked arrows aimed to, sh- to shoot under cover of darkness? At every heart open to God. The bottom's fallen out of the country. Good people don't have a chance. But God hasn't moved to the mountains. His holy address hasn't changed. He's in charge, as always. And listen to this. His eyes taking everything in. His eyelids unblinking. Oh, examining Adam's unruly brood inside and out, not missing a thing. And it was like, you know, stuff can be happening and everyone's in fear and running for the whatever. Do you know? It happens in our day-to-day life. I'm sure that it's going to happen more and more as we go into the, new, the days coming ahead. But there is this unblinking gaze. Why? Because, you see, our eyes are set in a different place. Our home is in a different place. We are citizens from a different place. So our security, our foundation, everything is standing no matter what is happening here. He needs to build that in us because that's not naturally in us, just like everybody else that wants to run. But you see, 
the work in us causes the nature of God to be built in us. So that when we face into stuff, it's like, sweet. What's the problem? God's in charge. You know, there's this confidence, this rest inside that stays. It gives us opportunities to overcome in his power. So these pressure tests. So we can get to know what it is to live from his power within us. So interesting that Jesus was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, the wilderness, to be tempted. That certainly puts to flight that thought that God would never do that. Um, (laughs) The other thing is that he came out in the power of the Spirit. So he went in full of the Holy Spirit, but he came out in the power of the Spirit. So the, the, the purpose, one of the purposes is to, to teach us what it is. I had an interesting um, experience, just finished pl- playing for the ballet, and it was like this. It was like I was up, I won't go into the details, but it was to do with sound levels being just to the point that I was getting unwell. And um, I couldn't actually do my job in the orchestral pit. And I was up against um, a hard place. And he, he showed to me about the, the Red Sea. You know, so <laughs> they come and they come to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are coming behind them. And so they're stuck and they're crying out, and God speaks to them, three parties he speaks to. So the Israelites are crying out to God, but he says to Moses, why are you crying out to me, the Israelites? Tell them to go forward. And then he says, as for you, that is Moses, lift up your staff, I'm going to do something. As for me, I'm going to deal with some hearts over here. Very cool. And you know why they had to move forward? It wasn't to go into the Red Sea. It was just to get out the way because he was going to come in behind them. Yeah? Because he gave another instruction a bit later. Now walk through. So, you know, there's uh, the, the, what happened in this is as I prayed into this situation and Chris and I prayed, he moved something. He moved something that couldn't be moved in the natural. He gave me a strategy, a thought. It worked out, dum, 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 and released me to be in a place where I could be protected from the sound. But it taught me something. You know how there's a saying, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place? Now I'm thinking, oh, yes, rock is behind me. Hard place is in front of me. Let's see. Let's listen. Let's obey because I'm going to see how he gets through a hard place that I can't go through. Impossible situations. He shows us so that we can come into experiencing his power. Not our power, his power. His strategies in places that we wouldn't know. We discover a heavenly food source. I've already spoken about this. That feeds us in these places. Jesus fed from that. And it conquered all these things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 
when we're eating from this, it conquers all these things, it overcomes. And it gives, they give, it gives um, opportunities for Christ to reveal himself. So there's so many reasons why he would want us to go through some, you know, some tough, shaking, pressing sort of situations. And Jesus is the model. So he went through the most intense pressure in, in Gethsemane. It says in, in Isaiah 53, 5, um, that he was pierced for their transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. I'll leave the video for now. But there's a a video that shows the olive press and um, in Nazareth, the one that's been made like it. And there's three pressings. And there's a crushing first. So the olives are collected and put in and they're crushed first. And then there's a pressing And there's three pressings for three different releases of oil. And you see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he went back to his disciples. Now you see, our response is vital in all this. Because like I say, we could go through all that pain and have no gain. And as sure as eggs, we we can't turn around and say that God's a sadist and all he wants us to do is go through pain. That's totally not the truth. He wants us to come into life through things. And so it is so important that we understand about our response. So I just want to quickly go through over a few traps that can trap us and we can, we can get caught up and not get the benefit out of the pressure test. The pulling back, trying to reorganize our lives to relieve the pressure and gain back a sense of control. We can all relate to this. It's, it's the world's first point of, of, um, of call, and we often Christianize it as well, and we, and we can go and get advice from people, and they'll say, oh, you've got to put this first, and then this, and then this, and it's like, what? God actually wants to speak to us in this situation. He doesn't want us to guard our safely controlled life. That's the whole problem. He wants control. He, he's the one that can actually, what is that, word, that, that song saying? Bring our chaos back into order. It's true. And this is like, this is every day. Every one of us has been in this situation. We feel stressed out. We're plate spinning and we think, oh, I've just got to drop a few plates. I'm overcommitted. I'm this, I'm that. And we start reorganizing things. But we need to stop and seek him. Because he may just have let it get to that point for a reason. And yes, he may lead you into certain things. But don't just go doing it to try and relieve the feeling of uncomfortableness. Because otherwise you'll just go round and round and round and round the mountain and never learn the lessons, yeah? One of the things is self-pity, self-focus in rehearsing the problem. So the, the self-pity, um, he taught me that when we lost our fourth, fourth child. And he said, you, you, you need to be able to grieve as you need to grieve. But there is a good way of grieving and a bad way of grieving. And I will tell you, the bad way of grieving is all tied up in self-pity. And so 
as I would go through and I was asking some pretty hard questions and there were lots of tears and all sorts of things. But he would, as soon as I started going down that pathway of self-pity, he would just say to me, Sandra, this is not good for you, and turn me away. And it meant that through that process, I can stand whole and wholly healed because of the work he did in me. It's a powerful thing. The rehearsing, the problem is um, he showed me that in, again, this time with the storms and stuff. And he was showing me about, um, again, the revelation of himself in the storm was like, whoa, Jesus is asleep in the boat. How is that? That fascinated me. And, and it was like, he, he's wanting me to be in that. And, and one of the things he started telling me was, you know how you say, oh, this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and this happened? Well, you're already sinking. As soon as you start rehearsing it and speaking it out and reciting it, all these things that are coming against you, you are sinking. And you can't walk in the manner that I walked. I walked on water. In a storm, actually. Not a problem. And it sounds, you know, like fantastical. And I'm not talking about literally walking on water. I'm talking about living from a different realm. And there are certain things that disqualify us. Our own words are disqualifying us from that when we are focusing on these things. And it's not that they're not real. He's not saying go and pretend nothing's happening. He's saying in it, I am there and I will show you a way. It's also um, um, (laughs) really, really, when you're under a lot of pressure, um, often you can be physically really worn out and everything like that. And it's incredibly easy for the flesh to start then ex- making expectations of people. Whether you speak it or not, they're in there. And, and along with that, if, if those expectations aren't met, it's very, very easy at that point in time for bitterness to come in. So you're disappointed that this didn't happen or this doesn't happen. And honestly, it can be friends, family, employers, health professionals, government departments. It can be anybody. You know, we have this expectation. We sort of feel that that's necessary now and it should happen and there should be this sensitivity and there should be this or whatever and it doesn't always happen. Well, maybe there's a way to live outside of all that affecting us. Yeah? There is grace to supply us in our times of need. And we also need to encourage each other in this. So the, this, this powerful scripture in Hebrews 12, 14 to 16, right in the middle of the God discipling us. Uh, sorry, disciplining means the same thing really, isn't it? Um, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Interesting. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. See, the grace of God is there for us. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And beautiful here, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. So in those times, sometimes the temptations are very strong, and we need to encourage one another. You know, to like sell everything 
that we know he's called us to, our whole inheritance for the satisfaction of something now. I had that opportunity and temptation in this last instant. Stand on my rights. And yet I knew that that was not his way. <laughs> you know? So there's, there's these manners in which he walked, that there's this outwalking through every day. So we need to draw near to God. That's the response that, that, that brings life. Draw near to his family. Look, if, if you do such stuff and he convicts you of stuff, that's okay. Confess it, repent, move on. Don't get stuck in any of this. Ask him good questions. I love the questions that Simon spoke of. They're good questions. And, and let him ask you questions. I loved God's questions even more than your questions, Simon. You know, who, who are you engaged to? Who has your heart? Oh, man, they're good questions. They're life-changing questions. Be honest. Trust him. Let go control. Know that discipline produces a harvest of righteousness in those who are trained by it. And let the sight of his eternal plan fill you with sustaining joy, thanking him in ev everything, especially that these light and momentary afflictions are producing in us an eternal weight of glory. And that is a testimony because there was a great sense in the stuff that we went through, Chris and I, over the last few years, that there was this joy. And these were light and momentary, even though they had completely changed our life and were, you know, continuing to impact in every single way. There was this sense that that what we just looked at, he's looking for his bride, is so much bigger, so much bigger that it brings joy in those places. So, in conclusion, God is waking his church up. We can't afford to be dull and sluggish. Precious te pressure tests are never at a convenient time. We need to enter and remain in his building process and spur one another on. Consider it pure joy. He's getting us ready and maturing us for himself. And I just want to um, give you the, um, you can look at them put them in your notes, probably three main um, scriptures that were hugely helpful for us in these times, James 1, 2 to 4, um, I'll read that one because it's in the message and you might not hear it that way, faith under pressure, consider it a sheer gift friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And the other two scriptures are 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7, and 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So I'll leave it there. But... Um, Walk with other people through the stuff. Be honest, you know, and and let's let's seek him for what he is actually saying, because the 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 grabbing 
of what, what has been spoken, what he's after, what he's saying, the way he's wanting to wake us up, that will actually allow you to go through the pressure tests and be made stronger. And, you know, not in the ways that you might think, but in incredibly powerful ways that don't, um, that don't wear out, eternal ways. Amen? Thanks, guys, for...